Hey there, pal. You know, the Devils uh, beat the Bruins. You're excited. And then they beat uh, Columbus. And you're even more excited. And then they go ahead and have two performances that just make you want to take a toaster bath. Yeah. You know? It's kind, just of, told, kind of been yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah, I just was telling somebody, if uh, Devils keep playing like this, somebody's going to find me in a bathtub with a bunch of pieces of bread floating around me. <laughs> Um, I, I think you that said, that's you what said the same thing last night. I'm oh yeah! If, if you guys won uh, a Warzone game the second I got off, which you did, <laughs> um, I don't know. The toaster bath seems to be everybody's preferred method of fake killing themselves lately. So, mm. um, but what are you going to do? The games I'm referring to is a five-one loss to the Anaheim Ducks at home, and then an overtime loss, three-two, to the Philadelphia Flyers at home. Two teams they should beat. Um, and there's a ton of excuses for why this is happening, and we'll get into all this. But I think the main thing for me is that if you go ahead and look at the team's schedule in January, there up against top teams like every 48 hours and i just feel like yes the schedule sucks the most back-to-backs in the league and then an odd number of days off for some reason like there's no rhythm to it and no consistency but i just feel like the schedule was loaded up with teams that they should be getting these wins against so if they drop a couple against you know the vegas's and the colorado's of the world in january february then it doesn't matter but they've kind of squandered that um but uh yeah who should we shit on first oh man um hmm. you know what let's talk about i have a lot of yeah i I have a lot of thoughts um about a lot of things and i don't even know where to start because you asked but i don't know where to start honestly because well let's start with timo because he he was playing the best hockey of the season for him before his injury and He's been a disaster um, when he comes back. So, of course, that starts that starts just the daily rhetoric of, of he's terrible, his contract's terrible, whatever. And you just know that's not the case because, you know, a guy, people can't go through a week or two of a slump anymore in the NHL without fans going on Twitter and writing off their entire career. But I guess it's a good news, bad bad news thing. The good news is, it's obvious he's still not 100% and now confirmed by Lindy Ruff that he's not 100%. So at least he's injured, and that's the general excuse for why he's playing this poorly. But then it's like, why is he playing to begin with? Um, right. So you, you, yeah, what are your, what are your You're thoughts? You're right. You're right. He shouldn't be playing. I mean, yeah. there's, there becomes a, a point of diminishing returns when you're not helping the team by trying to gut it out. You're actually hurting the team. So take a couple of weeks off, get healthy and come back and start playing hockey the way you should be playing hockey. Because what he's doing now is not hockey. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. And he doesn't need to be playing. I mean, every, we were, and obviously this is a bit hypocritical because we were all whining and complaining. We didn't, when we didn't know what his injury was and wanted him back every day. But you know, now that you think about it, 
this team's not going to, you know, do a 2013 Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, you know, remember when he went down with a shoulder injury against the Florida Panthers and the Devils then lost 10 games in a row. <laughs> like, right. that's not going to happen with Timo out of the lineup. This team is is more than capable of scoring five goals a night without him. So, I mean, he's proven it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they sh- they, he shouldn't be playing if he's still hurt. And I, I don't know, maybe there's some logic that the only way he's going to get back to game speed is actually by playing games. Um, but, you know, at the end, and I said and this nine to you. Nine games, the, I think, now? Yeah, without a point. Um, and that's also, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Because, you know, when they try to put that third line <laughs> together with Meyer, Mercer, and Holtz, Mercer and Holtz don't do shit either. Mm-hmm. It, it's just even when they get the top two lines figured out those guys on the third line, Timo and, and Mercer and, and Holtz are out of place. So I don't know what the solution is, but I can tell you the solution is not to continue to jam a square peg into a round hole. Andre Palat's not a top line forward. He's been playing. Okay. The line's been okay, but I don't think the line playing well has anything to do with him. So, and I'm not trying to shit on Pilat. He's He's been okay. He's been better. You got to figure out a way to get Timo in your top six. You got to. You have to. Oh, of course. I don't care what you mix and match. You have to get all six guys going. Andre Palat's on the third line. Hollis should not be on the second line with Jack Hughes. Hollis should be at center on the third line. And if you want to put Mercer at right wing, you want to put Holtz at right wing. I don't care how you slice it, but you got to cut the shit with these lines because they're fucking garbage. The fourth line looked fine last night. But these line combinations are terrible, and he just continues to go back to the well over and over again, and like a comfort blanket almost. Like, all right, let's just put Hollow back with Jack and and put Pilat on the left. Stop. I agree. Um, it's just, it's crazy because, I mean, like you said, Pilat's been playing well, and if you're subscribed to analytics at all, um that line's one of the better lines in the league, but a healthy Timo Meyer should be. Should um, make that line even better. Yeah. Yeah, of course he should be there. And obviously he's not healthy right now. So, and to Ruff's credit, I know we like to shit on him because the line blender stuff is ridiculous, but um, he has tried to put Timo with that line. He's tried to put Timo with Jack and Timo just can't hang. And it's, you know, I think, what is it? He's skating like 20% slower, 20% worse or something like that. Yeah. So at this point, a third line, 50% healthy Timo Meyer is not cutting it either. So just sit him and, until he's healthy. Yeah. Like, And, and c- just along with the lines, I know we're going to get to it, but like, since you brought it up, I don't understand putting Brendan Smith in the lineup over Miller. I think Miller has been one of our better steady defensemen. And making that change for the sake of making a change doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand that either. Because then you go back to sit Miller, who hasn't done anything wrong, mm-hmm. um, and then put him, put Smith in the lineup with with Luke, with Luke Hughes. And then if you compare, this is where I don't know who follows one analytics because Luke Hughes with Miller is a million times better than Luke Hughes with Smith. So. I, I just cannot fathom having to put a guy in the lineup just because he's good at penalty killing when one third pairing defenseman should not. But our penalty kill sucks with or without him. Yeah. It's not like with him in the lineup, we're top 10 and without him, we're fucking 25th. 
We're like twenty seventh in the league. We stink on the power on the penalty kill. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know what the answer is there, but it's not Brendan Smith has to play. Um, you know, I, I just don't understand unless unless he put Smith in the lineup because of how physical the game was against the Flyers last time. Um, I hate that shit. Me too, because there were no hits uh, mm-hmm. last night. Yep. And the Flyers, and credit to them, because this is going to sound like I'm complaining, the Flyers play an unbelievably ugly and boring style of hockey where yep. they just clog up the middle of the ice, they hang back and don't send much of a forecheck. And hope for overtime. And it worked. Yeah. And, and that's what they have, they've that's what they've done and they're getting points out of it whether they win or lose they're getting points uh, you can't hate listen we can't be fans of the devils and having won cups by using the neutral zone trap and then complain when another team plays a boring style of hockey you can't have it both ways for sure that's why i don't complain you know yeah. when everybody yep. else says the islanders are boring it's yep. you know but all this comes down to and we're still going to break down different players and, and and everything, but this all just comes down to the devil's inability to adjust to their opponent's style of play. They just seem to, they just seem to go through this, this process. And I I'm guessing it's coaching driven where rough must be telling these guys play your game. And if you play it perfectly, you will win regardless of how the other team plays. And it was just not, and and the Ducks did it to the Devils too. They they clogged the neutral zone. They played a physical game, and Devils couldn't do shit. And it's it's no coincidence that Jack Hughes maybe played his, his worst two games of the season against the Ducks and the Flyers. Um, so when when you have another team that comes into your building and starts to play a perfect road game of defensive hockey and and taking advantage of mistakes. You have to adjust how you play a little bit. It's coaching. It, it's a hundred percent coaching. Yeah. And and this was. It's not like it's a this year thing. The knock or the the book on Lindy Ruff teams forever have been no defensive structure. Try to outscore the team, and we're still there. We've done nothing to change. They don't make any in game, any in game adjustments. It's not like. You know, to me, a, a real coach is, right, who are we playing today? What are we going to do to play against this team tonight? Not, let's just play our game and hope for the best. It doesn't work like that in the NHL today. And teams have figured out from last year how to play. So they should have come into this season with a real and a little different look that they can give other teams other than just, you know, slamming a fucking, again, a square peg into a round hole. It's not working. And and I think part of the issue also, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, is they are not playing with the level of intensity they need to play with at all. It seems like they're going through the motions, like where they think this is last year and it's just going to work. And it's yep. not. They're not doing the little things they need to do. <laughs> Excuse me. Almost every game we're losing because of mental breakdowns. How many fucking, too many men penalties have we taken over the past month? How many horrible turnovers, like last night you saw with Jack, twice? How many defensive breakdowns where we're leaving guys wide open in front of the net? And and unfortunately, that's that's the difference. Yeah, Most I mean, nights, that's the difference. 
Yeah, I mean, to everything you just said, it just seems like the other team is coming in with the playbook on the Devils and are preparing to, this is how you you counteract the Devils' style of play, and the Devils are just going out there like, we're just going to do what we do, and hopefully the other team doesn't show up. Um, but then when the other team does show up, like I said, they just don't adjust. And that play by Jack in overtime, I don't care how good he is, he's a superstar, he's going to end up being the best player this team has ever had in its history. Um, it's inexcusable. You can't do that, especially in overtime. And this is where, you know, we crap on the coaching, but Ruff talks about taking care of the puck. And it is just simply something that this team cannot do. They The amount of times they just throw passes through the middle of the ice. And for Jack to make a, a backhanded blind pass to, to his brother, um, you know, with Owen Tippett standing right there at, at the top of the blue line, which is where they've given up a ton of goals this season, is just not thinking. And it's just like we're going up the ice and the other team, you know, is just going to fold. And that's how this team plays. They they don't take into account that the other team might be interested in winning a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and I had a big problem with Brett last night in overtime, and I don't care who has a problem with it, honestly. You have Travis Sanheim one-on-one with a mile of space. There was a, it was a line change. It was literally Jesper Brett and Travis Sanheim. That guy has the foot speed of me, and Jesper Brett is fast. There is no reason on earth he shouldn't be taking that at him one-on-one. You don't circle back out of the zone. You put your tail between your legs and skate out of the zone and try to regroup. To me, that is dickless hockey, and I'm not pointing that at Jesper Brett in particular. It's a symptom of the way they played all season. They're playing scared. They're playing to not lose sometimes rather than going for the win when they have the when they have the lead. They're sitting back, and it's it's just it's a culture problem. For, and it starts at the top. To me, it starts at the top. It starts with rough, and it goes all the way down through the whole team. Yeah, I mean, it's just how the team plays, and you know, their last home win uh, against Boston. It's great that they beat the Bruins. Uh, they had a tough time doing that last year. And, but at the same time, the, the, I was so frustrated at this game because the amount of times that the devils entered the zone on a three on two with the center, having the puck, whether it was Nico or Jack or anybody else. And the same play over and over again with cute little passes off mm-hmm. to the wing that would get intercepted every single time. Like there's just this team tries to play like they're the Harlem Globetrotters and it doesn't work most of the time. And and he's Anaheim the other night. You know, I don't even know who the backup goalie is, but you're, they're trying to pick corners. Like this guy just came in the game. He stinks. Shoot from everywhere. Just get the puck on net. They don't do it. They just look for the perfect little pass and the cute little pass. And it's just that's been you know for the first month or two i was i was hesitant to blame the goaltending and then it was obvious that the goaltending was an issue and now it's come back i mean i think the current state of goaltending is that vtech's been fine the last couple of games good even and schmidt looks like the guy that that you know can't play anymore but um now the goaltending's okay. I mean, those tendencies from the beginning of the season are still there. They just leave the goalie out to dry and the turnovers and the odd man I mean, man the bottom rushing. line is if we, if we went out and traded for prime Dominic Hasek tomorrow, we still wouldn't be winning. It wouldn't make a difference. Exactly. I mean, that's why, dude, you brought up to me a couple days ago, uh, I think it was Valamaki from Vimelka, Arizona. Yeah. Vimelka, Vimelka, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Valimaki is a defenseman. Vimelka, he's, he's probably a fine goalie. But I just don't think it's worth trading for a goalie unless it is a Hellebuck or even Gibson type. I don't know that upgrade. it would make a difference. I don't, I don't even know if it would matter at this point. That's what I mean. I mean, I I wasn't into Vimelka because he's the same sort of the same situation as Vanacek, and sure he's having a good season. But like, unless you got a unless you're trading for a guy that you know can steal games and has had an NHL history of stealing games, what's the point? Because whatever goalie that comes in is going to be facing these prime opportunities because our team can't take care of the puck. Um, you know, and, and I was very frustrated with Jack last night. It wasn't just the giveaways. It was the, the whining that he's now doing on a daily basis to officials. And I compared it to early Sidney Crosby. Um, like, of course, when I was watching overtime and he went down on that play and Danico freaked out and I was freaking out, but then you see the replay it wasn't like an egregious penalty. There was some contact, but it's not like his feet were swiped out from under him. So in overtime, like what are you doing standing around, like yelling at the refs? Like the more you do that, the less calls you're going to get. And, and he's just getting that reputation for himself now. And that's not good. So I don't know. I, I don't know what kind of game he's going to have tomorrow against the Oilers. I just feel like he needs to calm down and make smart plays, stop trying to dangle through four opposing players, stop with the cute back passes or whatever. Just, you know, make smart plays, keep your head down, play a good game of hockey, and and things will happen. I have another gripe. Not with him. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what type of play this, all of a sudden this play is on our power play? where we have Luke skate the puck up the ice, stop at the blue line, turn around and throw it backwards to whoever's skating up the ice. So they did that last year. Um, and it was to a frustrating point where it obviously wasn't working and they had a horrible power play. And, you know, we pretty much willed uh, Mark Recchi getting fired over it. Not last year. I'm sorry. Two years ago. Um, so, or was it last year? I don't even remember anymore. Um, but they've done this for a couple of years now. It's been the same game plan. And but like Luke is perfectly capable of entering the zone himself. Well, yeah. And don't you notice now a, cu a couple times in the last couple games, like he doesn't have a clear path to the zone and he's like fighting through guys, but then still instinctively has to stop and turn around mm -hmm. and pass it back. So Jack or Brad can skate it in. And this team just does not play a heavy enough game. Like, you know, look at how the Hurricanes beat us in the playoffs last year. Just a dump and chase and just a relentlessness to get it back. Like, this team can't do that. Um, they just rely on smaller forwards. Uh, the one them. line that can do that is the fourth line. McLeod is an absolute animal on the forecheck. Yeah, I mean, and Lazar. And Lazar, game. yeah. Lazar, Lazar and McLeod consistently are really good on the forecheck and Bastion has been better the last couple games. Yeah. I mean, in our first power play <laughs> unit, like I would honestly consider putting Bastion in front of the net because we got a bunch of smaller forwards out there trying to be cute. And if the other team like does a good job clogging up the middle of the ice, this team is not scoring. On the it's power not play. even, it's not even being cute. Like they don't move. It's every single play on our power play is designed for a cr to get a cross ice pass. Oh, absolutely. Well, you that's, look at that's the, all they do. You look at the Rangers and they've got Fox Panarin and Zabinjad basically doing the same thing. 
but those guys have the ability to get shots on net and ours don't like our power play boils down to Jack Brat, and Nico in front of the net with just passes across the ice. Like Nemitz, you know, has gotten some time and he's trying to take some shots uh, from everywhere, which I like to see. But other than that, like you could see the difference between how a power play like the Rangers works and, and ours. And that's probably the only place I miss Dougie Hamilton. Um, but even at that point, I mean, the devils just put Hamilton on the second unit and it wasn't yep. really working out. Like I get, I, I'm happy that a lot of trust is being put in these rookies and in Hughes and Nemitz, but like, I'm sorry, Luke Hughes when fully healthy should be running that second power play and you should have Dougie's shot at the blue line on the first unit. Um, so, but now we're not going to have to worry about that. I mean, the devil's, uh, well, rough says that Hamilton's not expected back until April, possibly early May. So I, I don't think that's that huge a blow because his, def- his defense wasn't great before he got hurt. And Nemitz seems to be filling in nicely, but yeah, this team's got a ton of problems right now. You want to get into it now? My, my hot take, or do you want to wait till later? Let me ask you, what does your hot take pertain to without going into it? Two, two names you just mentioned. All right, then, yeah, go ahead. So, and, and maybe this, obviously, this is too soon, but let's say Nemitz continues the rest of the season to play the way he's playing and progressing and becomes even better than he is right now. Mm-hmm. Season ends. I would be open to trading Hamilton, eating 50% of his salary. Um, and, here, and here's why. Okay. He's making nine, right? Yeah. Till 27, 28. Nemitz is on a three ELC. So you have three more years of basically paying him nothing. So you'd basically be paying Hamilton... You basically be paying Nemitz four and a half until twenty six, twenty seven. By that point, your salary cap's going up anyway. So you know you have two years of basically eating four and a half million with Casey coming. Nemitz could take that spot. I think a team like Toronto with cap going up. I think a team like Toronto would be interested. I think there's a lot of teams that would be interested. I know it's a big number, but at if they eat twenty five percent of it or they eat fifty percent of it. Because like you said, his defense hasn't been great at all. The effort hasn't, before he was injured, didn't look great. And I don't know. I, I think Nemitz, the way he's playing, if he continues to progress, I, I, just, I, I think that's a move I would make, honestly. I think you could get assets, valuable assets. It's not that crazy of a hot take. So my only reservation is that before he got hurt, he's got 16 points in 20 games. Now, while we all like Nemitz, he's got well three points in nine games. But um, and last year, Dougie was, was third on the team in points. He had 74 points. So right. the the defensive aspect makes me makes Hamilton not untouchable. However, that's point production that that Luke and Nemitz are not going to be replacing for a couple of years. So I think Luke could get there pretty pretty quickly. 70 something points. Not 70, but that, I mean that's a when was the last when was the last time the Devils had a for a defenseman? I mean that was a a, a crazy year. I mean Yeah, but he I, was on pace see, for that again. Yeah. Um, but you, you 
look at the way we're playing now for, I mean, I don't know. I just think last year was an outlier for everybody on the team, including the whole team. Well, yeah. And everybody said that they'd, they'd expect a little bit of a um, regular season regression, which is fine, but um, I'm not sure. I, I, it's not crazy. And also Dougie's got a no movement clause, so I'm sure it won't be that fun trading him. But yeah, I, uh, it depends. I mean, right now they've got 10 million on, on long-term injury reserve, uh, between Hamilton and Nosek. Nosek's probably done for the yeah. year. Nosek's, yeah. I think Nosek's in the, <laughs> in another planet at this point. I don't think he exists. Yeah. He's in the international space station, <laughs> but, um, it depends. Uh, honestly, it's something that people might say you're crazy for saying it now, but it's obvious that Nemitz is going to take that spot for the rest of the season. And let's see how he develops. I'm just um, thinking with the cap going up and you know, it sounds crazy, but you're paying him basically nothing for three years. So you're basically would be paying half of Dougie's salary to, to, to Nimitz. Yeah. For three years. Yeah. Well, as two as years cap after space this. goes. Right. Yeah. Cap space goes. And then, uh, you know, Casey's going to be, Casey's well, going to be a player. Four years after this. So what happens though? So Dougie has four years after this year. So mm-hmm. if you've got four and a half million on the books in, Here's the only thing that bugs me about it then. So say you got four and a half million on the books in 26, 27. Yeah. You're going to have Nemitz and Luke Hughes on long-term deals with bigger numbers. I think then the four and a half million might become a problem because don't, you know, Miller and Smith are going to have to be replaced with money. Uh, at that point, Toffoli's going to have an extension. Hollis deals up. Nico and, and Palat. Uh, Palat probably obviously Plus. not going to be resigned because he's going to retire at that point. I mean, he's 36, 37. Siegenthaler, the way he's playing, he'll probably be uh, playing in Switzerland. Yeah, Marino's contract's up in 27. Uh, he sure will need a deal after the 26, 27 season, which will be big money. So I think if we're just talking ta- cap space, it makes sense for three years. But the last one to two years of that eating an extra one, uh, 4.5 might be an issue, eh, but the caps, the caps should be going up a ton by then. Oh yeah, it should. It should. I'm just worried about like, who's going to be on the team then. Right. What yeah. Numbers. Plus we're getting, we get like two and a half million back from dead cap space from Kovalchuk and, yep. and Schneider also. So, I mean, you know, that's Kovalchuk, half of that Schneider, money. Basically. Uh, that's half Wilkin. of that money right there. So it's really another two if you're counting that. So it's not that crazy. But, you know, again, that's putting the card before the horse. Nemitz has to continue to to play well. But I've been mostly encouraged by, you know, when you have a young offensive defenseman come up, you know, they light it up, uh, put points on the board, but, you know, have some issues in their own zone. He's been very steady back there. He's been getting pucks on net. He's playing an all-around really good game. And you could see that they trust him. They're playing him a lot of minutes. And in a lot of situations, which if he were not playing the way he was, they would not be doing that. No, and the funny thing to me is going into the season, you worry about replacing Graves and Severson with rookies and how that might affect the defense. But the funny thing to me now is we can, I'm sure we can both agree that Kevin Ball has been much better the last like three games. Mm-hmm. Yep. So him, Hughes, and Nemitz might be our some of our best defenders not might, right now. Not might be. They are our three best defensemen right now. Yeah, I think Marino's playing well, but like Siegenthaler, Smith, Hamilton defensively before he got hurt, it's those guys that have, that had been stinking it up. So 
I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. I, I still would like to explore. I know you said you'd like to keep him now, but I would still like to explore v- a Vatacek for Gibson trade. Um, oh, no. Listen, if they have $9 million in cap space, you go out and get a goalie. Yeah. My point being is they can't just do that. If you have $9 million in cap space, Vanacek's got to go the other way. I mean, ideally, I would like to keep Vanacek as the backup uh, and put Gibson in goal. I don't know if they can do that or not, if they can make the money work. If they can, great. If not, that gives them even more money. you got to go out and get... Uh, honestly, they... I think they need a forward almost as more than they need a defenseman. So I was thinking that too. I mean, they we need have more no th- depth. We have no th- depth. They need, they need more than anything, a hundred percent Timo Meyer. So that's sort of built in, but um, I don't even know. Like you say, we have no depth, but like, I remember when we were coming out of training camp, trying to figure out what the lines were going to be. And, and if they can just get to a point where that's what the team looks like, where, you know, just saying off the top of my head, so we don't have to dissect it. But, you know, say it's Meyer, Heischer, Brat, and then, um, or uh, Meyer, Heischer, Holtz, and then, you know, Toffoli, Brat, Hughes, and then the third line is Palat, Halla, Mercer, like it was supposed to be, and then the fourth line is, is Bastion, McLeod, Lazar. That's fine. It's just, I, I think we have the personnel. Uh, when I say depth, I mean we have too many middle six guys. We have, you know, Mercer's not not playing like a top six guy. Myers not playing like a guy who belongs in the NHL. Uh, Palat's not a top six guy. Hollis should not be a top six guy. So what I mean, those two are supposed to be on the third line, and we're going to right. be based on the preseason lines, but they're um, not. But they're yeah. not, and that's part of the problem. So uh, my thinking is, they need someone who can play with a little bit of an edge, obviously. Um, someone with like, some experience, someone with some, with some edge that they can play uh, to put him in the lineup. You know, everyone loves Nathan Bastion, and he's been much better the last couple of games. But you need someone who's a little more consistent that can give you some points. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the move is. And unfortunately... We'll never know because I think Nosek was starting to play really well. And I think he would have been a great fit on that fourth line. But he got sent to the Shadow Realm. Uh, by by Jacob Truba. Yes. Yeah. Um you know who I kinda missed until I saw <clears throat> so I saw something from last night. Whoa. There was my computer. Um uh, Everybody's gonna kill me for this, and I'm hesitant to say it. Do you know who I'm gonna gonna say? That player that we don't have anymore? Tatar or no. Wood? Wood. So I hate the term. The term's fucking stupid. But at 2.6 or 2.8 million or whatever it is, like that's a guy that I think would be good on this team. And uh he just went a little nuts last night. I think he got penalties in a misconduct or something. So he had his typical bonehead Miles Wood game, but um uh, and and I'm not saying this is anything against Toffoli, uh, because we've we've been loving some Tyler Toffoli, but I miss Igor, especially since he started scoring and contributing. Yeah, but he he does that. He'll have a couple week stretch of that and then disappear again for, for a couple weeks. But I mean it's not really a great comparison because he's getting top line minutes there. He wasn't getting that here. Yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a Foley's got two goals in 11 games. Not good enough. Um, you know, Brat just went through a stretch of not putting the puck in the net. And, you know, so those two are issues. Uh, Jack's had a couple bad games in a row. So, you know, I think that'll take care of itself. Nico's been playing great. I just think if, if Brat and Toffoli can get on the board regularly like they were in the first couple of weeks of the season and Timo gets healthy, I think a lot of these problems will take care of themselves, especially if Vanacek has turned the corner for, for good. Um, more than any other player on the team, I get frustrated by Jesper Brett. And it's for a good reason. When he's on, he literally looks like he is the best player in the NHL. He looks like he is untouchable on the ice. He's yep. fast. He's shifty. He looks like he can't be stopped. And then you'll have a stretch of games for six, seven, eight games where he's, you, you forget he's on the team. And it's so frustrating because he, you see it. And I don't know what happened. Like, I don't know where that, like, where that goes, where he'll just not, he'll just be invisible. Yeah. So he just went through a stretch from November 3rd to December 1st with one goal in 12 games. And, right, and last night he was good. Uh, the, the overtime play I, I hated, but he was good last night. He was noticeable. He was good. But you talk about these stretches and, you know, he goes through these stretches, like you said, but it's just where he just doesn't have any confidence to shoot and he's always looking to pass. Yes, and, yep. you know, his skating is unbelievably elite. Like, yeah. he's one of the uh, best skaters in the NHL, very and underrated. And that's what frustrates me. Like, that, that alone should give him every night multiple scoring opportunities, high-danger scoring opportunities. And when it doesn't, it just frustrates the shit out of me. Yep. I, I just, I don't know. We just need the right guys to start going at the right times. And, um, yeah, I just got to hope that that happens soon. I mean, we might be facing a disaster if this team doesn't figure things out, um, by the second week of January where they're facing very good teams every other night, it could be a disaster or it could turn out to be, um, where they play up, they might, I, you know, the devils are the kind of team that are going to play up to their opponents. Um, and, and so like they might face these teams like they did against Boston the other night, you know, the better the team, the better the devils will play. Um, but I just, I just don't thinking, know. I'm trying to think like last year, like they struggled around this time last year, didn't they? Like yeah. They after the sharks, five, two, five, two to the, the wild, 13... eight, four to the, eight, four to the jets, three, two to the senators. They had the 13 the game win streak in November and then they had a pretty rough December. So six, one to the flyers four two to the what I've been, five. Yeah. It was pretty rough around the same time last year. What I've been trying to compare it to is I think there was one point last year where the devils were up to 13 points. It might've been a little less better than the Rangers. And then, you know, the devils dipped, the Rangers started to play better and, and it sort of got to a four or five game uh, point difference at the end of the season. I think that's probably what we're looking at. Um, right now it looks like the Rangers have this division and they, they deserve their playing unbelievable. Um, I still think the devils and the, and the hurricanes are going to get spots two and three. So, you know, I'm not like panicking or anything, but just watching this team on a nightly basis and, and seeing what the problems are and just that they're not exactly being solved yet is frustrating. 
if last um, year didn't happen, right? Let's pretend last year didn't happen and we were going from 2021 to this year. We would be fucking on suicide watch, all of us. So here we go again. Same shit again. I actually but think we it's came, the opposite. Well, we, uh, yes, you're right. I, not so, well, yes. I think if last that. year didn't happen and the Devils right. were what, 16, 12, and 2 or whatever they are, I think we would be happy. I but, don't know that we'd be happy, but we'd be like, all right, at least the team's getting a little better than what we were. But having coming off last year and seeing just an all-around regression from everybody, every everybody, there's not one player I've, I, I would say has gotten better from last season. I think Jack has made a lot more mistakes than, he's, than he was last year. You know, injuries to Nico Meyer. You know, I don't think anybody's been like, wow, this guy's really gotten a lot better this year. Am I am I missing somebody? Um, no, I, I think, uh, I mean, McLeod, McLeod, I would say McLeod. McLeod, okay. I think, I yeah. think points wise, uh, Brat's better than he was last year. I think, uh, skating confidence wise, he's better than he was last year, but which is nice because I was always worried that after getting the long term deal, he would, you know, he wouldn't be matching his best season, but he looks uh, like he's. Beyond. I mean Holtz too, but you know he didn't really play last year. But he's been I I, I really like the way he's played. I have too, and and he's another guy. Um, you know, looking at what he's done in the last couple of weeks, he has. Bear with me one second. He now has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, he's got two goals in the last ten games, so he's slowed down a little bit too. He only had nine minutes of ice time last night. Ten minutes. That's- Right, so that's the problem well, too. Well, that's the conundrum with that third line. Like Timo's hurt, and he and he can hardly play. And Mercer and Holtz are terrible if they're not playing with better players. And yeah, I, I think personally, they should call somebody up from Utica. Give somebody a shot. Give a Graham Clark a shot. Give somebody a shot. And sit, you know, put Holtz. Maybe even put Holtz on that fourth line with with Lazar and McLeod because he's actually been good there. Which we that flipped out over really when good. Ruff did it, but then he, you know, that he line's scored been on, really. Yeah. That line's been really good, and maybe you bring up a Clark and put him on the third line, or bring up, I don't know who the hell we even have down there that's playing well because I can't pull the goddamn stats up because their fucking website sucks. Well, you know who's uh, hanging out at the International Space Station with uh, Tomas Nosek is is Nolan Foot. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> who knows what the hell is wrong with him? Maybe somebody that watches Utica can tell us, but. Um. He got hurt sometime in preseason, and now he's seemingly never yeah, I mean, to be seen. Clark's again. got 18 points in 23 games, nine goals, nine assists. Xavier Perrant has 17. Schmelzer has 14. I, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't understand what they have against Graham Clark, where he just can't get a look in the NHL. Yeah, that's uh, something they see uh, in his game, I guess. Because obviously, if he was good enough, if, you know, you always like to think that these people don't know what they're doing. But let's be honest. If there were, if there was enough potential and promise, and Clark was doing the right things on a day to day basis, he obviously would be playing. Like, why would a GM leave a guy who can help your team on an entry level deal? So it's not even a money thing in the AHL. It's just not something that happens. So they must be seeing something that we don't, you know, because we're not watching him on a day to day basis where they just don't think he's a good NHL player. And again, I mean, he he didn't show it in preseason either. He wasn't very good. He was bad. Yeah, so it's not like they're purposely leaving a guy down there. But I just would personally like to see Bastion scratched, put Holtz in that fourth line, put, you know, Halla, 
put Clark on that right wing on the third line and give it a game, give it a couple games. Like they pull yeah. the plug so fast on everything. Like they give it a period or two and then it's like, all right, well, that's not working. Let's change it up. Like, stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that a uh, rough does. <laughs> um, you know, when they were on, when they were whatever it was, seven and two or whatever in their last nine and Saravali talked about rough, possibly getting fired. Uh, I was, you know, just assumed it was his usual clickbait shit. But, you know, the more I look at it in the last two games in particular, they, I don't think he's going to get fired, but it makes me wonder if maybe we we let the wrong guy go because um, Brunette has Nashville playing well above where they should be. And we don't look nearly like the team we look like. Yeah, I, I just, they need somebody who's going to hold them accountable. And Ruff is just, a, he's a player's coach. Yep. Um you don't want torts because I just don't yeah. think guys like Brat and, and Hughes are going to thrive under torts, but like, I don't know, like a Peter Laviolette kind of coach who's just, you know, look what he's doing with the Rangers. I just, that's the guy. I mean, that's the guy I wanted when they signed Ruff. And, you know, I get that they thought that Ruff was the right guy to, to guide these young players. And to an extent he has been. Um, you know, the progression of Jack and, and Brat and Heischer under rough, you know, and the trust he's putting in Luke Hughes and Simone Nemitz has been great for their development, but just something about the way this team is playing games and their refusal to just adjust is they're like circling the drain and you just hope it doesn't, they don't go down. You know what I mean? Right. And if they fire Ruff, who's taking over? Is they going to make Travis Green an interim coach? I mean, he didn't exactly light it up in, in Vancouver with them. Uh, Deneen maybe gets brought up? I don't know. I mean, that's who I would love. That's Long term, that's who I want to be the coach because he's done a great job down in Utica. He has had coaching experience in the NHL, I'm pretty sure. What about Barubi? Check me that. I don't know. Did. They had a magical run, but have they done anything since? No, I mean they have a very expensive roster filled with good players, and they stink, right? Yeah, and they stink. So it'd be basically Devils East or Saint Saint Louis East, yeah. Essentially, yeah. Um, uh, there's nobody else out there that I that I'd be super interested in. I, I think if Ruff gets fired, it's probably going to be Green, just because he has head coaching experience for the rest of the year. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll bring Deneen in mid-season. Well, I think it, Ruff makes it till the end of the year, no matter what. And I, I think, think so, too. Yeah, the whole mystery on his contract, we hear that there's an option at the end of it, which is probably a team option. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that's when the decision is going to be made on him. And if they don't recover from this, you know, if if they squeak into the playoffs as like an eight seed or wildcard team or something, get destroyed in the first round, or if they don't make the playoffs to begin with, I think that's when Ruff gets the can, because I think that's also when you're going to have the most, you know, the full slate of who's available coaching wise to pick from whenever. And I just, my, my, I just wish that I don't know what the, the whole story is. Cause obviously we're not involved in his personal life, but I my my goal my my hope would be somehow you can get Scott Stevens behind the bench as your head coach surround him with a good quality staff because you know no matter what the players are going to respect him and they're going to listen to him and 
he has this kind of aura around the organization where everyone's going to respect what he has to say, whether you want to hear it or not. And I don't think that's the case with Ruff. I think he's, again, like you said, a player's coach. I don't want John Tortorella, but I want someone that when they tell you to cut the shit or to do something, you goddamn do it or you're going to sit in the bench. Yeah, I like... So the, the issue with Torts is, and maybe the difference between him and, and Ruff is, if a guy like Jack Hughes makes that first turnover that, that turns into a goal for the other team, Tortorella is the kind of guy that no matter who you are will put your ass on the bench for the rest of the game. And Ruff is the kind of guy that will say, you know you fucked up, now go out and make up and make up for it. So I like that better. You know, like I don't like just benching guys for making one mistake because that doesn't work with everybody. And that's and then, and then Tortorella in the post game presser would shit on Jack also. Yeah, and that's why he doesn't last long in these other right. cities. So like he's, you know, he's not an asshole like everybody says about Mike Babcock. He's a good guy. He's not one. Of, yeah, he's not one of those hard asses that's also a piece of shit human <clears throat> being. He's he's a good coach, but he's a hard ass. And you know, I, I don't really like that that much. But you need to be held accountable a little bit more than um, Ruff seems to be doing. And yeah. Yeah, Jack's well, like not going to be sitting uh, in the press box, but no. still. Like you said, it, it, we're roughs the coach for the rest of the season. After that, we'll worry about that. But he's not, I don't, unless they lose fucking 10 games in a row, he's not going anywhere. Exactly. But um, I do think, I, I do think the organization's not happy with the way the team's playing. You know, and when I say organization, I mean fits, I mean the owners. They obviously had really high expectations for the season coming off last season. And this is not acceptable. So I do think if they make a decision, I think the minute you see that tweet come across that they've put Dougie Hamilton on long-term IR for, and that $9 million clears up, I think within a couple days, you're going to see them make a trade. I agree. I agree. Um, and Fitz seems like the kind of guy that this is not acceptable to him. And I think we know that at this point that he's been in the trade market and I, you know, obviously can't say for certain, and everybody likes to make up their own opinions about the owners of this team, finally, at least not calling them cheap anymore. But I, I feel like this is the kind of ownership group that is let fit spend on whatever he wants to spend on, however much money it takes. But I also feel like they're probably going to be calling him wondering what's going on if shit like this continues. Um, and I would too, if I was an owner, if you're, if you're giving your GM um, the green light to spend to the max and, you know, you're way worse than you were last year, you know, and they are kind of way worse right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to have some questions too. So yeah, I think a move is going to be made. Uh, let me ask you a question. This is probably a dumb question, but I just don't know the answer. If a guy's on the last year of his contract and you trade for him, what counts? Is it prorated against the cap, the, the cap? Yeah, so if he's making six million, and let's you say trade he's making five point eight two five, just for shits and giggles, and you trade for him at the exact middle point of the year, then your cap is it's going to come across as the full number, but it will be two point nine whatever. Okay, because so it's not as simple as it seems. I know you accrue cap space as the season goes on, mm -hmm. uh, based on how much space you have open. That's why you can acquire somebody's full cap hit, but for you know, less at the, the deadline or whatever. So who are you talking about with that? Number? Like, let's just say they trade for Gibson and they, and they trade, they add Henrique in there. Uh, 
Henrik's a UFA, so he's making five point eight two five. So, and I don't no. think you get Gibson's full full um, contract either, right? I'll tell you what. I, I think you. I think I might have been wrong there. So it says right now on Cap Friendly that the Devils have eight hundred ninety eight thousand dollars in cap space, but it says or oh, projected cap space, current cap space one point four two six million, but deadline cap space four point one zero eight. So I think somehow. The one point four two six that they might have right now turns into if if that's the amount of space they keep turns into four, then they can acquire a player worth four point one at the deadline. I don't really know how that accrues. So I think like if you get Gibson and Henrik, let's just say it's eleven million between the two of them. I think that's still eleven million on your cap coming over, but how it's calculated is different somehow. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean. I wouldn't mind Henrique either on the third line. And and Gibson, I mean, you acquire those two players and trade Vanacek back, that works cap-wise when you have Dougie's number on long-term. And then mm-hmm. they'll have to figure it out on the off-season because Dougie, Henrique, and... Well, is Henrique's well, a pending free agent, right? Yeah, he's a UFA. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I don't know what the hell uh, Anaheim would want because Henrique's playing very well and uh, Gibson's their number one goalie. And, 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 and you know... I said this a couple weeks ago, the guy that I wanted from Anaheim, and I, you, you saw it in the game they played, but Radko Gudis was throwing his body all over the place. He laid Luke Hughes out at the blue line. That's the kind of guy we need. I, we're not going to get him for $4 million a year for the next three years. It just doesn't make sense for us. But that is the type of player we need that we do not have. We have no one on defense that will step up and make a hit. I agree. I agree fully. But I mean, he went out of his way to lay Luke Hughes out at the blue line when he was taking a shot. He had a couple more good hits. You need a scum. We need a scumbag, and we don't have a scumbag. Yeah, but you don't want a scumbag like Garnet Hathaway is going to do nothing. No, no, no. no. I, and when I say Gudis is a scumbag, I mean he went out of his way to make a hit. It was a clean hit. It pisses the other team off, but too too fucking bad. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think the forward version of him would be. Like, you know, Tom Wilson. Yeah, or and, like Ross Ross Johnston, that fucking plug piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. No, like I nine would nine goals in 160 games and I had a one lone I didn't even know they existed, Anaheim Duck fan talking about how he was a plus one and he's really good. I was like, shut up. There's some reason why these guys keep getting jobs. I don't know why. Um you know, it, it sort of seems like, and, and that's probably why the Leafs signed uh, Ryan Reeves, because yeah. you need guys like this, and you just hope that they don't cost you uh, in games. And well, no, I mean, Re- in the case of Anaheim, they stink, so what is the difference? Yeah, and, and Reeves already wore out his welcome in Toronto, so sometimes it doesn't work. But like Gudis is five goals and four, point, uh, four assists in 30 games. He's a plus eight on... One of the worst teams in the league, and honestly, one, two, three, there's four players on that team that are in the plus, and one of them is Jamie Drysdale, who's only played two games, so really three, and he's by far the leader in plus minus and in penalty minutes, so like, I wanted him when he was a free agent. I agree. That was my my target, and I think if I remember correctly, I think Casey, not to give him any credit, uh, said he wanted him also. Casey's right a lot of the times, just... You know, he was right on Gudis. He was right on Hall last year. Um, so, well, that's so, interesting. I still don't want to give him any credit. 
go to do me a favor go to the ducks website mm-hmm. and go to uh radko gudis's uh player page because the picture they have for him is pretty funny interesting uh, <laughs> it's interesting yeah like they have a header photo for him that mm-hmm. is oh, him in action but the background is, is a little wacky um it must have been when they played what the uh fuck? <laughs> It must have been when they played at Pittsburgh. Penguin. I don't know yeah, it's if it was Halloween or something, because there's a guy dressed as a cop, uh, a guy dressed as, is that Snow White? There's Minnie, then, there's Minnie Mouse next to him. Minnie Mouse, and then four people wearing penguin costumes with gold chains. And Wait, if you look behind him, that's Wayne and Garth. <laughs> behind, behind Minnie Mouse. <laughs> I'm going to post this on Twitter when we're done. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But also, you know what? We didn't have anybody on the team like that last year. So, like, every time I think this is what the team needs, I just go back to, like... We didn't have anyone like that last year, and look what happened to us in the playoffs. We got our shit pushed in by by a more physical team. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. There's Every time you come up with something, there's a counterpoint for it. Like, we didn't need it during the season last year, but we did in the playoffs. So I mean, everyone agrees that we need someone on the team to be physical and we have no i mean ideally it would be kevin ball he's huge but he's a gigantic pussy he won't hit anybody you got that right uh i'll tell you what though he was playing a little physical last night um what do you do sounds like somebody reminded him of how tall he is (laughs) Um, hey did you know that you're like six foot seven or yeah so what's crazy is i remember watching him in juniors when he played in ottawa Mm -hmm. he was fucking laying people out he was a menace and i don't know what happened he got to nhl it was like nah i get it i mean the game's a lot faster the people the guys are a lot bigger people are hitting you so you know and and let's remember he's still a kid you know he wasn't even a full-time defender most of the year last year there were times last year where we were talking about we would rather have a hoituk on the team over him so you know he and even ken danico said it last night you know, one of the many brilliant things that Ken Danico says is that you remember you almost lump him in with the rookies too, because he is that young and doesn't have a ton of games under his belt. So, I, you know, you got to think about that when you think he's playing poorly for a couple games. He's my bit. I think on defense, uh, I'm not even going to count Brendan Smith on the team, but since last, even like halfway through last season, Siegenthaler like fell off the the fucking Swiss Alps and landed in like a pile of shit. I don't know what happened to this dude. We were all excited when he signed the contract. What a bargain it was. He's been so bad. Yeah, there was a point last year he was like the steal of the league and like the the analytics darling. Um dude, I, the shot the the pass that Nemitz made to him in front of the net. I for the love of god have no idea how he missed the net. Yeah. Yeah, he you, was you tweeted that was than, his Zaka impression. I, I, he was not more than five feet from the net. It, it, you you have to at least hit the goalie. I don't even care if you shoot it into his chest. I can't imagine how you possibly miss the goal, miss the net from there. I agree, buddy. But as, you know, it comes down to moments like that. That goal changes the game. Lazar has that beautiful play, and he goes on the breakaway, and whatever the fuck name makes a save. I mean, that goes in. That's a different game. Well, let's see what happens tomorrow night, which will be today when you're listening to this. The Devils are hosting the the Oilers. I don't um, even know if I'm going to watch. I might go see Willy Wonka. Oh, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch, but it's just... Uh, I know you are. Yeah, I can't skip games. Um, not at that point yet, but we'll see what I'm happens. Not, not because I hate the team. I just really want to see the Willy Wonka movie. I don't know when I'm going to go. 
Yeah, I mean, look, a rebound performance from Jack, uh, you know, Timo looking a little better and a win will solve a lot of anxiety that we have, you know, and, and maybe another good performance from VTech and, and we'll feel a lot better. But yeah, I mean, I was looking back at our schedule. I was talking about earlier. We we got our dicks kicked in last December. Like, yeah, there was a bunch of six, one, eight, four, like in a row, really yeah. bad games. So, you know, the world, the, the sky is not falling. There's there's plenty of time left. And we don't need to win the division. We don't need. We just need to make the playoffs. That's it. Yeah, but it just gets a little uh, scary because the team just seems like they're on the edge of just spiraling out of control, and and it doesn't help that they can't win at home for some reason, and they're on in the middle of a big home stand. So, um, but let's. Uh, let's yeah, I don't want to be the voice of, of reason. I don't want to be the voice of reason here, but you know, all's no, not lost. Yeah, let's let's talk about a couple of fun things before we go. Um, I had a couple of notes written down of things I wanted to talk about. So when I was at the game against the Bruins, there were there was a dude in front of me. I think he <laughs> travels with uh, someone else that we uh-huh. have talked about before, but he's wearing a customized Devils jersey with the number forty seven and the in the initials FJB, which you know means fuck Joe Biden, and I've seen that dude before. Are you sure um, it's not like foot job, bro? Nah, man. So I just, what a prick. So this dude's standing up like every opportunity and just looking around. Like he looks like he's looking for someone the entire game, but you just know that, especially with the jersey he's wearing, that he's the kind of person that's just spending a lot of time wondering who's paying attention to him. And it, it just made me think that he's the kind of person that like, We'll we'll sneak into the DMs of like Russian bots and like ask them pictures for pictures of their feet, their feet, you know, their feet. I told you, it's foot, foot, foot job, bro. <laughs> foot job, I bro. Yeah, I just feel like he's the kind of guy that when he gets a, uh, you know, a DM from a suspect account and it's obviously someone that doesn't speak English, they're like, "Hi, you seem nice person. Um, I knew here. Want make friends? <laughs> I'm from." Uh, I hail from Ohio. He's probably like, Hey, what, what you doing girl? Um, <laughs> but I just, uh, man, I can't, I can't stand this fucking dude. And, and just people that like just try to get attention. Anyway, speaking of the arena, uh, I was made aware last night, um, from shout out to Allie. Her at on Twitter is at hot girls, hockey underscore that section one Oh five apparently serves spring rolls. um, I didn't know about this because I don't really venture upstairs. I like to sit on like the upper part of the lower level. Fucking uh, fancy. And just eat chicken fingers. No, dude, I can't fit in the seats up there and I can't, <laughs> and I can't see no good no more. <laughs> um, that's why I sit down there. Um, also, because I like to sit close to the concourse to get to my car as fast as possible. So I don't have to sit in the parking lot for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, these luxuries do cost money and I'm a very irresponsible person. So it is what it is. But anyway, um, Tell apparently me I'm going to Disney next month for like, listen, you're, days. you're, we're both married, but you have a kid. You're required to do this, these things. And just, you know, Disney is just a complete bank account, uh, emptier at this point. Well, you know, it is, it is, but it isn't. And you not to sound like a sappy asshole, but like you work and you work and you work and might as well make some memories with your money. Right. So I'm going to ask you about that. To wrap up the spring rolls thing, I just want to ask our listeners, have you had them? Are they good? And are there other food items upstairs that I should try? Because I just I just get into the habit of walking into the building and if I am eating fingers. there, <laughs> yeah, it's chicken fingers. 
and I or don't eight dollar or an eight dollar peanut butter and jelly. Well, I understand that the the decent food items are kind of hiding upstairs. Like the bottom is sort of just the same old shit. So let me know what's upstairs, and I might have to venture up there. Um, let me ask you a question because you and I go on very different vacations, and it's because mm-hmm. you have a kid and I don't. Um, mm-hmm. Can you do like a week in Disney or however long you go with your wife and your kid all in? Can you do it for five grand? Yes. Okay. Because I, I was trying to think about my last um because my wife would love to go to Disney and I'm trying to push it off. You can until... do it for you can do it for way less than that. So the reason I yeah, the reason I asked, like the last time we went to the Virgin Islands, um, the flights for the both of us, I think were eight hundred. Our Airbnb villa for seven nights, eight days was two thousand. And then I figure you just take that and add like not double it, but add another like 75% for a car, uh, right. meals and expenses. And I, th- I think it's a little less than five grand. So you think for that kind of money, you can do Disney cheaper? Yeah. So we're, we're, we decided this time to stay at like a nicer resort. Um, so it's a little bit more than we would normally spend. Mm-hmm. But with like, you know, when you do like the packages or whatever, and it depends on when you go, you get like, you know, the park you know, the tickets, like whether it's just for an example, like we're there to, we're there Sunday and we leave Saturday and to like get park tickets for the last day we're there. We don't usually get them for the day we get there and the day we leave just cause it's unnecessary. But like, it was like $20 more or some shit like that because it's like all like everything's included, like the pricing and everything is just so expensive that they're just like, what's the difference, you know, for, tickets for like another day it's like twenty dollars a person or something versus yeah. it's like a hundred and twenty dollars a ticket if you want to go daily um but we we did like a dining plan the sit down the quick service plan so you get like two quick service meals and a, and a snack a day per person um and we also they're doing some promotion where for every night you're there depending on the hotel you get a different amount but for the hotel we're at we get a hundred and twenty dollar dining credit every day, so we basically get a credit, a Disney credit card for like seven hundred dollars when we check in. Oh, that's good. Um, so including all of that, the air, the ticket, the airfare was, I want to say, I paid like eight hundred dollars for the three tickets round trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- with like the memory maker, which is like where you take pictures and you whatever, it was right around that, I think total. I think it was around like 5,200, maybe something like that. That's not bad. Yeah, I always just think because uh, right before... And that's before, with three people, so... Yeah, yeah. Because so unfortunately, you're... Annabelle's old enough where like... <laughs> it's basically you're paying for an adult. I tried, uh, I think it was 21 or something when things started opening up. I wanted to go to a concert in Florida and we were going to go stop by uh, Harry Potter World. And I oh, just yeah. got so pissed off at... Yes. It's like, this is the price of the tickets obviously more since you're not a florida resident and then it's like oh want to see the whole thing you got to take the train to the other park that has the yep. rest of harry potter world let's double sure the ticket does. price yep. yeah it got to like for us to go one day it was like 400 dollars for the two it actually costs less the like the longer you go it almost costs less if that makes any sense well that's how they get you well because <laughs> like you're paying for a hotel yeah but like the park tickets are less like everything costs less the longer you gotcha. stay 
gotcha. Um, and like you can stay at like we've stayed at like um Pop Century, which is like what they call like a value resort, which is I think one of the nicer it's obviously like the nicer of the value resorts. Or like Art of Animation, which is like one step up from that. It's like probably like like one eighty one eighty a night, something like that. Um, plus That's tickets and whatever. Uh, it just depends on when you go. Like we like to go weird times where it's not crowded. Like that's why we're going early January. It's going to be not crowded. Um, it sucks, you know, take my daughter out of school for a week, but you know what? I don't care. We're just addicted to the beach, uh, the Virgin Islands, dude. I, I just it took me ten years. I, I went with my family to um, St. John in two thousand seven, and then Virgin Gorda in two thousand eight, and. You know, the wife is not really, she grew up in, in Bayonne, Jersey City, and she's not, wasn't really like a tropical beach person. So it took me a while to get her to go to St. John, and we finally did, and now we're addicted to it. And every time we tried to do something else, we tried to get, we tried to do a Costa Rica vacation, ended up back in St. John. We tried to do Italy, uh, went to St. John, and then, um, last year or no the beginning of this year in april we were putting together an itinerary for new orleans we were going to go for like five days we're looking up activities hotels and we ended up in turks and caicos for a week so funny you should say that two separate times we've booked vacations for an all-inclusive in jamaica yeah two separate times and both times by the time i was like the airfare was so expensive or by the time I was going to buy the tickets, I'm like, Renee, we could literally go to Disney for an entire week for less than what I'm going to pay to go to Jamaica. And we ended up switching. So you're the switching opposite. Switching to Disney, yeah. Because, dude, when we went, so when we were filling out all this, not filling out, but we were writing down expenses and trying to go to New Orleans, we were both were like, yeah, but we should go to the beach. So all of a sudden, the Saint, the airfare to go to the Virgin Islands, to go to St. John, you have to fly to St. Thomas first and then take a ferry. And usually those round trips cost somewhere between 275 and 400. For some reason, the flights in April were like eight, $900. So we, we weren't going to go there. So what I did was, and this is kind of the thing people really doesn't know, don't know exists. So if you want to go on vacation and you're not too picky where, go to Google Flights. Yep. And put in the dates that you were willing to travel. And then instead of a place, open the map and you'll have. Where? Yeah. So we did that. The Caribbean, it jumped out like 245. And I was like, what the hell is that? So I zoomed in and it was Turks and Caicos, which is, you know, I've heard nothing but great things about. So just by doing that, we found. United, uh, it was a United flight, uh, straight through on the way home, on the way down, we had a 40 minute layover in DC, but, uh, yeah. And that's how we found that place. So check that. That's sort of like a flight hack if you're looking for it. But, um, but anyway, let's see. Yeah. Let's we see. usually like book flights last because it's just, we watch them and watch them and watch them and I happen to get it for, we're flying into Orlando and back from Tampa because we're going to visit my parents for a couple of days after and they're just going to drop us. That's cool. It's easier to. Yeah. I do flights first because I like to, you, once you have the flight booked, you're going. Yeah. You know, cause it's <laughs> well, not like Airbnb. I mean, not in my case, not in my case. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But typically like when you book an air, if you book an Airbnb first, you still have a certain amount of time that you can, um, you know, yeah, you can trust me. I know we booked back. Disney in like September and I just had to make that payment in yeah. full. Like four days ago. That was fun. It sucks. But um, <laughs> yeah, we do flights first and then accommodations. But 
Uh, anyway, all right. I got to get going soon. We got to have some dinner. So the, the other three things I wanted to bring up, we talked about this before. If anybody wants to fall into a, a TikTok rabbit hole, look up Neil the Seal, <laughs> N-I-E-L. It, it just started popping up on my TikTok. It is a an elephant seal that's three years old in Tasmania, which is an island state of Australia. And he has, but they say terrorizing, but they mean it like lovingly. Yeah, yeah, lovingly. lovingly. Yeah. He's terrorizing a village of 300 people in, in Tasmania where he comes ashore a couple times a year and people just find him. He's huge laying in the middle of the road <laughs> outside their front door, like yep. knocking over signs on the road, um, humping, humping cones. <laughs> Yeah, there was one you sent me. He was like cuddling with some road. Yeah, he's just like all the cones. He's just like cuddling with all the road cones, trying to eat them, lay on them, cuddle with them. Yeah, once you know TikTok, once you watch a couple of videos, that's all they're gonna feed you. So, well, that's what happened. Now I'm getting like from every pe- like people that live there that are posting like, it's, oh, they woke up this morning and here he is on my front lawn, just like yep, attacking like, my street sign. My I'm street sure sign. you see the guy that's like Neil. Someone lives here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like on their front door. Um. The other thing I was just going to mention that I'm a cranky bitch because I'm out of melatonin and I forgot to order more. Um, I just have notes. So the last thing, something Devils fans are very interested in. Um, I got tipped off about a month ago about what the stadium jersey is going to look like, and it seems to be confirmed with the merch that's slowly trickling out. Um, I'm kind of excited for it because a lot of people wanted black or green or, or white or something, and it's going to be red and the logo's black with no circle around it. The numbers and letters are going to be black. We just don't know what the shoulders and the arms are going to look like. But just from what I can picture in my head, I think it's going to be the kind of thing that they're going to release a picture of it. Everyone's going to bitch and complain. And then the game's going to happen. And they're going to be like, you know what? These look pretty cool. It's just like the um, the, the jersey jerseys. I hate the, I hated them. Now I look forward to when they wear them. Yeah, and I think they're going to be better than that. Um the yeah because if there was one thing we would all change about the jersey jersey it's the jersey and just put a logo there like yeah so i I think i think this will be a little better received and i'm kind of excited for it but i just i get it won't be better received it won't be better received people are gonna fucking complain you know oh for sure because every single person on twitter expects the team to do exactly what they want all the time and if they don't make something specifically for them then they're gonna whine and bitch about something trivial forever um I think I know who you're talking about. Uh, no, you might have one person in mind. I literally have like 50 oh, I know, in mind. But we both, yeah, but there is one person in particular. Yeah, well, um, I don't know. But the worst people are the ones that are, I'm sure, in the, the Facebook comments of the Devils right now since Pride Night's tomorrow. Oh, boy. Um, I should bring back my, my daily asshole segment. <laughs> hmm. I think my daily asshole is a guy who... Uh, accused Meg of appropriating blackface because her profile picture is a picture of Sarah nurse. Cause that's her favorite oh female hockey player. God. Yeah, I know. So he's the asshole of the day. I responded to him. I said, you know, I've been looking for the worst tweet and person of the day and you knocked it out of the park. Thanks buddy. <laughs> but that's it for me. We're making some Paucho y Pepe this evening. Oh boy. That sounds exciting. It is because Wegmans has the the stuff like in a container. So you just got to cook spaghetti and then put the spaghetti in 
a pan with a little bit of pasta water and throw the mixture down in there and just mix it. And oh man, I'm really excited. But tomorrow I'm even more excited because they just opened a brand new Chinese restaurant in my town. Um, and this town has needed good Chinese food for the 11 years we've lived here. And it's getting good reviews. I'm fucking pumped. Don't go in with too high of expectations. I won't. But somebody posted a picture of the boneless spare ribs and oh, they look good. Yeah. <laughs> you right, made it this long. You got to hear you got to hear Andrew come over Chinese food. There you go. Now I got to take a nap. Um, let's get the fuck out of here. You got anything else before we go? I got nothing. All Just, right. My life is consumed by taking my daughter to her multiple basketball teams and games. So that's my life, basically. Yep. It's the, it's the dream, you know? Parents usually have to force their kids to do this stuff, but your kid just won't stop trying to do shit. Yep, you got that right. Enjoy it while it lasts, you know? She could be out there with the riffraff, you know, riding bicycles, stealing cigarettes from the 7-Eleven, <laughs> <laughs> loitering outside the local Dunkin' Donuts. God, I hate kids. Oh, they're the worst. Anytime I go anywhere and I see, like, a teenagers or whatever, I'm just like, I just want to leave. Samesies. But, uh, all right. That's it. Okay. Uh, good to talk. Hey, to thanks you. for listening, everybody. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, if you were at that, the games against the Flyers and the Ducks, I do feel bad for you. But on the other hand, I hope you at least got your tickets from SeatGeek. And if you use the code Last Change Pod, you save twenty dollars on your first order. Um, and uh, I almost forgot to do that, and I thought about it before we started recording. Um, do it at the I'll, beginning. Exactly, and now it's at the way end. Uh, but we still did it, and um, oh, I do have you know. one thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I, w- I would like to do soon for anyone who might actually have made it this far another kind of fan roundtable like we did at the end of last year, just to you know see how people are feeling at almost the halfway mark about the team. Any changes you want to see made, that sort of stuff. We'll figure that out. Yep, and I got a list of people that didn't come on just you know because we did it last minute um, last year that I definitely want to hear from. So I'm going to reach out to them and see if we can put it together. Um, I've also wanted to do something sort of like uh, voicemails where people can send us like a 30 second voice clip, either a question or like a hot take or something. And we could just play it and then respond to it. Okay. Um, that'd be cool too, but we'll have to figure it out. All right, go eat your ketchup a pepe. I will. And, uh, We'll probably then meet up later and have a horrible time on Warzone. So look forward Can't to that. Can't wait. All right, see you, buddy. Bye.